0: our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and on today's episode, I sit down with Takoon School, the fashion designer behind Takoon and a newly launched direct-to-consumer brand. We invited Takoon to discuss what he learned in his two-year break from the industry, what today's consumers want in a fashion brand, and why he's a firm believer in the DTC model. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, Chakun! Hi. How are you?
1: I'm good. Nice (laughs) to be here.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, good to see you. Welcome back. You've been working, but you've been kind of on the DL. What's you been up to?
1: Well, I was um, on a sabbatical for two years and it was much needed just because I felt like fashion was going in a crazy direction. It's it's becoming so loud and so noisy and so colorful and just like more as an entertainment uh, industry as opposed to like a real industry that I sort of came into which is you know like for me it's about making clothes for women to wear right that that's the end of the day so um I took a a, a two-year sabbatical and I traveled uh went to Cuba went to Mexico City went to Bali went to Thailand um just love (laughs) Marrakesh yeah no it was really you you know and I traveled by myself or with friends so like it was good either way you know just because I needed time to kind of like open up the mind and just kind of figure out, like, what this fashion world is all about, really.
0: Yes. I feel like you've seen the industry from every angle. I I remember, I hope you don't hate me bringing this up, but when you kind of emerged onto the scene, I think it was about 10 years ago.
1: Yeah. um, and
0: Yeah. I I just remember you from the September issue, and you were, like, the young, hot thing. Where (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's like, here's Takoon. Like, here he comes. What is he going to say? What does he think? (laughs) Um, I don't know. Like... What was your kind of take on entering the industry? Were you surprised by all the attention you got so early on?
1: I was. I completely sort of blindsided by the whole thing because I was so focused on making clothes and sort of saying, okay, this is what I want to say about uh, designing. I had a voice at the time, and so I was focused on really creating a collection. Literally, when we had the presentation, um, you know, I didn't expect the turnout that we had. We had basically all of Vogue come, and... Literally, they said to me, you know, Anna wants to see you the next day. Oh, and so gosh. that from then on, the trajectory to success was really fast, really rapid, like really high. Um, and, you know, I never had time to like sit back and look at it. But then once I was on the sabbatical, I was like, wow, like that was actually pretty exciting. Yes, you know?
0: Absolutely. She is like Madonna, Anna, Anna. Ah, <laughs> that was this. so random. I'm sorry, I have um, to
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> it was so funny. But I get that all the time too. Like I got that on the plane coming back from Hong Kong once, and it was kind of awesome. <laughs> it <was> awesome. <laughs> it's the
0: quote of the movie. Um, so, gosh, kicked it into high gear. What did? You, what, what was your experience? Were you doing seasonal collections? Um, I know it got into collaborations and all of that, but mm-hmm. it was it just so fast, so soon, so fast.
1: Yeah, it was so fast and so soon. And at the time, we were doing a small collection of about, let's say, 50 pieces. Yeah. Um, it, we started off uh, with a presentation uh, for two seasons. And then really right away, the industry, you know, said, you've got to do a runway. So, you know, um, the magazines did, uh, the retailers did. And so when you start to kind of be sort of get into the runway mentality, all of a sudden, you know, you grow from 50 piece collection to 150. Uh, 50 piece collection because you kind of have to fill the one way presentation with with looks right so like let's say if you have 30 to 40 looks uh in a show you know times two that's already 80 plus commercial pieces too so right away i was kind of ushered into this system at the time 10 years ago that um was dictated by the you know the the powers of fashion media, but then also the power of uh, fashion retail, yes. and that was the way that you grow the business. You know, if you're if you've got Anna Wintour's stamp of approval and you've got Barney's stamp of approval the customer all of a sudden makes the connection. And when they go to Barney's, they say, wow, okay, like this is the next hot thing. So we're going to buy into this. That was the system then. So, um, you know, I kind of felt like I had to keep up with Mm -hmm. that for a long time.
0: Exhausting. Yeah, totally exhausting.
1: And then, you know, two collections became four collections. um, And then it became about, you know, what are the pillars of your collection um, so then, you know, it was growing the commercial sort of uh, angles of that, you know, whether it be, you know, you do great with shirting, shirt dresses, yep. you do great with knitwear, you do great with printed dresses. Like these are the things that we want from you. But, you know, um, it was fast. And, you know, yep. as a small business, you kind of at that point. Case, you can't um, you can't keep up with the with the foundation, right? Yeah. Like you, you're not bringing in enough uh, money where you can hire all of these people right away. Yep. You know it does take time, and so um, it was a juggling act for sure. Yes.
0: And would you just say it was like losing some creative freedom, as maybe some of those wholesale partners were saying? You know, this sells best, and dictating what would go on their their racks.
1: Yeah, you were. I, I think that, um, you know, I could only speak for myself as, um, as one sort of visionary designer in the context of other designers who may design um, in a different way, who may design in a more theatrical way or with more conviction about streetwear, whatever it is. So I can only speak for myself. But I think that um, what happens is that, especially with retail, you kind of are being dictated by the retailers how they want to position you so for example barney's would say okay we do really well with your shirt dresses and your knitwear so we only want to buy those pieces right with like a little bit of like other feminine stuff yeah and then bergdorf would be the opposite where they say okay like we only want printed silk dresses from you so you know when you kind of uh Lay up to that because you have to because those accounts are quite large. Yeah. Um. All of a sudden, the customer starts to see you fragmentedly. Yes. And so you don't have control. Yep. In the messaging that you want to, to build for the brand.
0: Yeah. So
1: that was a struggle. A little we bit.
0: hear a lot from those direct to, dr- from direct to consumer brands that you know they went direct to consumer to be able to tell their full brand story. I haven't heard that story from you know somebody that's more of a wholesale brand. Where you were saying, yeah, the fragmentation. Yep. And I mean, if a big player like Barney's picks up one style and wants yep. to kind of hone in on that, of course you're going to become known for shirt dresses, even yeah. if that's not your thing.
1: Exactly. But and also, you know, I walked the floors at Neiman Marcus, you know, earlier on in, um, in sort of our uh, partnership with them. You know, it was, I think it was like a Chicago or, you know, some sort of secondary city and like the rack was tiny and like the merchandising was terrible and it was almost like the signage was wrong, like everything about it. And I looked at it then, must have been 2009. And I said, like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why, why do we go through all of this trouble to get them as an account, but yet, you know, they don't represent us in the way that is good for them or for me. Yeah. You know, it looks terrible on the floor for them. It looks terrible for me. Like, like, why are we doing this?
0: (laughs) No, yeah, that's crazy. So, oh my gosh, I feel like nowadays, looking at wholesale brands, I'd be so jealous where you see that retailers are becoming more nimble, and I don't know to what extent, but kind of working with them more um, to create their own schedule and maybe have more flexibility
1: in terms of product? I think the best ones are the ones with conviction. Yeah. You know, the ones, uh, and, and a lot of uh, specialty stores that we worked with had amazing conviction and they knew exactly what what um, tacoon as a brand uh, was doing, um, and they knew what what talent I had for the brand, and so they were playing up to that a lot. You know, Ikram in Chicago is, a, is the, yes. the best example. She, you know, she uh, bought the collection very early on, the first, one of the first people, and, you know, she basically knows her customers so well. Um, every time I went there to do a trunk show, you know, I saw how she operated and she literally goes to every customer tries everything on them and says okay you look good in this not this she was very much a a sort of a a micromanager in the best way nice um, to the point where you know she grew her brand successfully in Chicago yep you know anybody that would leave that store in Chicago that would be a big mistake
0: definitely let's circle back so you played this game churning things out the exhaustion go 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 questioning everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How long did that go on before you decided to go direct-to-consumer?
1: So that started probably uh, in 2008, you know, when everything was sort of falling apart. Um, We um, maintained just because we really had a good, uh, solid foundation of a customer base. Like I think we had, and, and our customers were so... Uh, fanning like mm-hmm. they really loved it so much and uh, y- you know and we can get into the, the details of why but at yeah. that time um we were we maintained while everyone kind of dropped away but that was when it started to sort of um uh, become clear to me that something had to change um and at that time we were starting to uh, seek um outside investors yeah um but i wanted uh i wanted uh Smart money. I didn't want um, just any old money, just because we didn't need that. We had time to to sort of look for somebody, right? Um, And it took a couple of years um, until Silas Chow came along. Yes. Um, And so that was when um, (laughs) you know we had deep discussions about DTC.
0: Definitely. I mean, that's a great partner to have for sure. Um, So DTC, the transition. I mean, I'm assuming because you're such a hot brand, there was pressure from. Your wholesale partners, the retailers, there's everybody's like he's going away. Mm. The end of tacoon <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: um, yeah. Did you? How you were
1: so <laughs> early
0: to the game? This is 2007.
1: In terms of DTC, you yeah. Mean? No, so DTC we didn't switch over until probably like five years ago. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, but so um, when Silas uh, acquired the brand, um, he was. He took majority stake, and you know, for me, that was um, that was a good move. Just because I, you know, you you know his reputation. He's been in the business for a very long time. He's his successes are Michael Kors, yeah. uh, Tommy Hilfiger, um, Ralph Lauren. You know, like really big, big American brands. And so our trajectory was the same way. You know, and and I I really put a lot of trust in that. And he he saw something early on. Like he he really has a, a, a he's very intuitive. He saw that uh, everything was going towards DTC, but uh, what wasn't happening at the time was that there were no DTC designer brands. And so that was our sort of um, path. Um, We were too early. And you know we, you know there there are reasons that you know having had the sabbatical, I know why um, it went wrong, and I think that um, and we all we all recognize that now that that it was too early that um, designer fashion needed to be handled in a a non-commercial way even if it's direct to consumer you kind of still need to kind of bring the sort of uh, the luxury expectation for that for that customer
0: yes oh my gosh I'm sure it was very jarring for people who shop luxury because you know we talk about all the time that luxury brands are almost set in their ways where they're very exclusive still and maybe they don't don't even have a presence on Instagram and right now the way that Direct to consumer brands are taking off is through this digital mm-hmm. advertising. Um, and, you know, they maybe have a store. Yep. It's maybe just for show. <laughs> yep. But they're not pushing people into that store to shop direct. Or, no. I mean, not effectively, maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, that makes sense.
1: I just think that um, also at the time, like, you know, we've got to sort of understand that. Uh, social media is so powerful Instagram is really powerful but it doesn't it's not a monolith for fashion right like it's sort of there are you know we've been all pushed into this one sort of space but within this space there are niches still you know and we can't all operate the same way that like that a big brand operates the way that like a small brand operates you know especially with a luxury brand coming into the space and sharing it with a a target or a polls, right like um, they can push products, but luxury brands have to push something else because ultimately, at the price point that they're um, charging customers, the customer needs time to kind of consider those purchases. You know, I think that anything above $500 today is a considered purchase, even yes. for the luxury customer, you know. Takoon, the tacoon customer, you know, used to come in and drop, you know, Twelve hundred dollars a dress, easy. You know, maybe three dresses a season. Yeah. She still has the ability to do that, but she doesn't want to. You know what she uh, what she sees now in the market is that, you know, it, there's just a lot of good stuff out there for under five hundred dollars. True. You know, for the for uh, more than ever, I think that the customer has choices and i think that arguably i think she has really good choices now i think from the fashion perspective from the fashion industry perspective we see problems but from the consumer perspective there isn't really a problem so you've got to recognize that i think that um you know the customer is very picky about the price point now
0: definitely gosh what's your definition of luxury right now
1: for me luxury is um is freedom, I think, you know, and I think that it's convenience. It's not really about you know uh, price point. It's not about. Um, it's actually not even about quality. Unfortunately, if I'm if I'm being honest and yeah. if I'm being objective, you know, a lot of people define luxury as uh, comfort and convenience, yes. um, and efficiency and freedom. I have problems with that too, where I think that quality is being overlooked now. and it's 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 being overridden by um, by convenience. And I don't think that that should be. you know, I think that we're in the business of of fashion, but we're also in the business of making beautiful pieces that the customer can enjoy. And I think that, you know, for me, like I want to be able to teach her, um, what good quality is? Otherwise, you know, we're gonna lose the gen- we're gonna lose it. Yes. you know, and I think that it's just gonna sort of like chip away at what fashion should be. I think
0: definitely. Talk about your kind of shopper, your fan. You grew this following. Has she stayed with you? Do you expect her to stay with you?
1: Um, I hope she stays with us. I you know like I I built a. a, a Big enough uh, loyal following um, that I, I, I believe that she will come uh, with us uh, on our next journey. You know, I think that um, what I what I do is I provide clothes that are um, are feminine. Are simple, are practical, and are easy to wear. Like I think that those should be given, but you know, in fashion, sometimes like we, like a lot of people stray away from that. I think that the 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 biggest sort of um, uh, rave that we get is that your clothes are so easy to wear that I don't have to think about it. But then when I put them on, like they they feel really good and I feel really good in them and people com- compliment me all the time so yeah. I mean those are the kinds of things that you want to hear Absolutely. you know and I think that those are the kinds of things that the customer if she knows that from a designer I I think that she will stay with that you know and so that's what I'm hoping for um, and I'm also hoping to you know to gain new followers because I've been away for two years and you know I think that two years in fashion is a long time you know uh, people forget Um but forgetting is good, too, I think, because then it makes uh, a, a brand come back fresher, more surprising, I think, maybe.
0: Yeah. And you're braving direct-to-consumer again. Tell me about the new business model.
1: So um, it's quite simple. You know, I think it, it, it comes from a very sort of pragmatic and sort of common sense place um, in that um, I want to design clothes for women in a way that makes sense for her lifestyle. Um, You know, I'm not here to design 200 pieces for runway for entertainment value. I'm here to make clothes um, in an edited way. So I'm offering 23 pieces to the collection. And uh, these are pieces that are gonna be your essentials in your closet. So a beautiful slip dress, a beautiful pair of pants, a beautiful cardigan, coat, jacket, a chunky sweater, a t-shirt, knit that yeah. you can pair with everything. So all of these pieces are what I consider essential, but essentials in a way that are well designed. Um, and we worked really hard on the on the materials too, because that's the most important thing for me. Like if we're talking about quality, I want to that back into the pieces um, and i want to make sure that the customer understands what she's buying into um, so the quality is super important but the uh, also the most important thing is the price point the price point is literally 75 dollars to 225
0: dollars retail yes
1: thank you very much i know so <laughs> it's um you know in the beginning you know like when we set uh uh to to work when we set this objective it's like, gosh, how are we going to? Are we going to do this? I know what it. I know what it's like. I know what the what materials cost. I know what manufacturing costs because I've done it down the runway, you know. And if we're expecting the same quality, in terms of what i had done before to now, like I. There's no way. But, you know, if you dig and dig and dig and dig and dig, you kind of really start to understand that there are ways. You just have to you work smarter, right? You, so yeah. instead of uh, uh, you hone into the pieces that you believe in, you design really well into them. And then what you do is you go out to the fabric mills. And you go out to the the factories and you say, "Okay, like this is a new business proposition altogether. Yes. Um, If you want to partner with me, I want to partner with you. What we're doing is that we are um, looking at uh, economy of scale and we're saying, "Okay, we will cut a thousand pieces of this particular style at that volume what can we do in terms of price point for the manufacturing what can we do f- in terms of the price point for the material yes. so you start to uh, you look at it from a common sense perspective from a numbers perspective and then and then you say okay how much would this cost to the customer you know like you literally like just hold it up and say okay like yeah. how much would you pay for this yep those were the kinds of um uh, sort of questions that we had and the problem solving that we had.
0: Definitely, because there are so many options now. We were just talking about Rent the Runway, where I know what's happening. I know there's a, a presence there with Takoon yeah. Collective. Was that something that you did during this hiatus?
1: Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Covert. Yeah. <laughs> No, so um, and during the hiatus, you know, I still was talking to a lot of people in fashion. Um, I um, also have been consulting on a, um, on a fine jewelry project for a Japanese fine jewelry company. Okay. Um, but, you know, uh, Rent the Runway approached me and said, listen, you know, we missed your clothes. We we hear from women that they miss your clothes. You know, can you know can we do something together? You know, I think that there is a real need for your stuff on our um, on our website. And I said, let's talk. And so what they wanted to do was they they were launching this collective idea, and um, they wanted um, specific archive pieces. From the collection, um, uh, but then introducing new prints. Yes. You know, because their customer is very feminine. She's quite bold. When it comes to rentals, you know, like I think that, that the market is now where, you know, the uh, specific sort of fun, sort of edgy, sort of cool kind of pieces, you know, she might not want to buy, but yeah. for renting, it completely makes sense. You know, totally. if she needs a, a dress for a wedding if she needs a dress to just kind of t- to be bold and fun for a night, like I think that those are those options. So we kind of really work towards um, uh, styles that kind of played up to that. And so we launched that in June yes. of 2019 with four dresses and we're continuing the partnership because it's quite strong.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Gosh, has working with maybe them or even some of your past collaborations helped to inform this price point and be able to think, you know, I should be offering more accessibility and talk to me about, yeah, the past and what you, when you've been able to sell to uh, girls like me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I think that it does inform, you know, what the, the behaviors are, you know, and I think that, I think that the behavior has always been the same. I don't think it has changed. I just think that we were uh, niching out into something that was uh, sort of like super like the 1% and it was, you know, not sustainable. And I think that uh, if, but that's historically how fashion has been built, right? You kind of play up to the one percent, and you yeah. play up, and that that sort of um, that message trickles down to the rest of us, yeah. Let's say, um, you know, and that why that's why you had the sort of the Target collaboration, or the the Gap collaboration, or the Kohl's collaboration. Um, but I don't think that that kind of trickle down makes sense at all anymore. And I don't think that it, it's almost condescending to to sort of uh, to to play at in that business model I think that you should go directly to the source and you can treat everyone as if you know they have the right to fashion as much as the one percent does you know and I think that um, that's where it becomes really interesting you know I think that in any other design discipline um, that's how designers operate yes right like I think that um, car designers, mobile phone designers, uh, furniture designers, I think they all have to think about the practicalities of the consumer yes. and their and their lives. And I think that why is it in fashion that, you know, we don't think about that? Like, why do we only think about the entertainment value of a runway show? Um, not the price point, not the quality, you know. And while we were doing that, I think that, you know, the fast fashion companies have basically taken over. Yes. And that's not cool either.
0: Heck no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Talk to me about what's going to happen after these 23 pieces. Will you be doing regular releases or seasonal collections or what's the plan down the road?
1: So um, the plan is to uh, design into four seasonal deliveries just because it makes sense from a manufacturing perspective as well. So fall, in uh fall winter spring summer so that's how we're kind of uh, doing the uh, the designed uh, propositions um, but in terms of the de- the cadence of deliveries I think we're doing it more rhythmically uh, in a way that it works for the customer you yeah. know I think that um, for this fall launch we are just dropping all twenty three pieces, just because it's so uh, it's so small. It's such a capsule that I think we we should just do that. Um, but going forward, you know, I think that maybe it's about you know fifteen pieces here, the next one you know ten pieces there, as long as they make sense for the customer. Yeah. You know, in like, you know November time comes around, you might start to feel like you need a code. Yes, that's when we'll deliver that. You know. Um, after December, in January, there's a lull because I think that people are sort of like having sort of shopping fatigue maybe. But by the end of January, like, you know, is that when people are going to start to feel like they want something fun in their life? Maybe. Yeah. You know, that's when they start to think about, you know, vacation as well. So we'll kind of drop something around then. So I think it's about common sense um, deliveries that are rhythmically time for the woman's lifestyle.
0: That makes sense. For the marketing, and maybe you in the past did a a grand seasonal campaign and it was going to be in print and Mm -hmm. it was a supermodel, Mm -hmm. what's the approach like this time around?
1: It's different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we're digital first now, I, although there is an importance in out of home uh, marketing campaigns like, you know, like like wall murals in like uh, city streets, uh, you know, uh, just like to, to sort of any, anywhere you can get the word out in a way that makes sense um, will do. Um, I think print doesn't make sense only because nobody sees them. You know, and I think that that we've got to kind of like get away from, you know, people thinking that digital is a bad thing. Digital is not a bad thing, you know. And I think that um, I, I I'm talking in terms of you know uh, uh, content creation. Yes. No, I think that um, you know a lot of um, traditional, super cool. Fashion talents, you know, photographers, stylists, whatnot, like models, even you know they want those print advertising campaigns, right? Yeah. Like that's where they're going to make their money, or that's that's how it's perceived as like prestige. But yes. there's no more there are no more pages, you know, and and I think eyeballs are being looked at. like uh, eyeballs are more important on the digital landscape. and so why can't we kind of flip that a little bit and say can can we make sort of interesting content? digitally as well.
0: Yeah. Can you dig into that a little bit, kind of what's now viewed? Maybe it's, I don't know, a disconnect, but what's viewed as prestigious? Like you've had several like CFDA accolades mm-hmm. and you're kind of, when when you're written about or when there's a story about you and people mention that, like, do you think that that gives you, I still feel like it, it gives you a little bit more credibility? I know there's kind of a conflict between the designers saying direct-to-consumer brands right now. Well, they're not even designer-led. Right. You've got both. So talk to me about kind of that balance.
1: I think that it's a new space yeah. that we're kind of like forging. Um, it's it's a space where I, I, I see uh, me sort of uh, shining a little bit more. It's a space that I've been interested in for a long time. You know, I shop those direct to consumer brands, you know, I I and I and I like the price point. I like I like what they offer. Yeah. Um, you know, but I do see that there is a isn't a perspective. There isn't a, a creative direction perspective per se. And and more specifically, there isn't a designer perspective. Yes. Um and so, you know, what I hear from friends is, oh, they're you know, they're fine. They're great, you know, at the price point's amazing. But do they tug at that heartstring? That sort of like, do they create desire for the woman? Is it, you know, it what what is that aspiration? You know, and I I think that those are the uh, the notes that I want to bring into the the direct to consumer space a little bit because I you know having been uh, in designer fashion on the runway like and sort of creating image from uh, desirability I, like sort of an aspirational point of view you can't really quantify what that is you know and that might be different from each woman too each yeah. customer as well so you know like i don't claim to know what the formulas to that are but i i can feel the energy when i when i see it so that's the kind of energy that i want to put into designing the direct to consumer pieces just to get her to kind of feel excited a little bit you know because otherwise it just becomes merchandising, right? Like otherwise it just becomes, okay, you know, we know that this t-shirt sells really well. So we're going to do more of that in like five different colorways. Like it's, boring yes. you know it's 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 silly like you know i think that we we evolve humans evolve a little bit more sophisticatedly than that and i think that we need a little bit more injection of like life to sort of that practice i think
0: yes you're speaking my language i know <laughs> yeah. i'm like i'll shop this brand i'll get a black sweater but it doesn't make me go <laughs> exactly
1: exactly so what is that yeah. right and how do you like i think that everyone wants to sort of like put that into a a formula but there isn't really a formula it's just it's in the air yep you smell it you know you taste it and you kind of feel it but then you know it's my job to kind of take all of those feelings and put it into the clothes
0: yes gosh to wrap it up kind of you've had two years to kind of sit back you haven't been just relaxing but to (laughs) sit sit back view it all um kind of get your thoughts together anything else that you see As, you know, you're really questioning and, you know, why is the industry doing this? What's going on? This is is not right.
1: Uh, I still think it's crazy to me that we're now three years plus into this conversation where, you know, before we're like, like, why? Why do we see coats in July in the stores? So it's three years in, and we're still seeing the same things in the stores in July, and it's crazy to me. Like, like, ha- haven't we learned that? Like, and if you're complaining about it, then why is it still happening now? Like, who's in charge? Like, who's like, who's operating here? Like, y- like, are there adults in the room? Like, what's happening? You know, like, yeah. really, like, it doesn't make sense for the customer. And we're sitting here complaining that like, you know, stores are dying. Stores are dying. Stores are not dying. Stores are. You know, boring stores are dying. Stores that are not putting the right merchandise into the stores are dying. Like, you know, like you see, you know, like Everlane flourishing. You see, you know, Allbirds flourishing. You see, all of these direct-to-consumer brands with lines out the front door. Like they're flourishing. They're not dying. So, like, how can, how can we kind of be complaining still when there should be solutions by now?
0: Amen, and is physical retail in the cards? Am I getting ahead of myself?
1: It is, it is. So we are um, close to solidifying uh, a location, um, most likely downtown New York, um, and yeah, we're excited. It's gonna. I think we're uh, we're zeroing in uh, on uh, in the West Village. Great. Um, you know, small little store um, that should just be not a flagship. You know, it should just be like a touch point. You know, yes. for the customer.
0: I want to try it on. I'm shopping on a Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so cute. (laughs) You go all in. Yeah. Physical retail. Thank you, Takoon. Thanks (laughs) for being here. Thank you so
1: much. That was really fun.
0: So fun. That's all for this episode. As a thank you for listening, we're offering Glossy Plus listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories on Glossy.co. Use the code PODCAST at checkout. The Glossy Podcast is produced by Pierre Biename. Please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast to give us a rating and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening.